Welcome to Practically Perfect, the podcast all about cats. Stay tuned to learn about cat behavior, tips and tricks for cat owners, community cat information, and much more. Here's your host, Carrie Poppins. Welcome to another episode of Practically Perfect. I'm your host, Carrie Poppins, and today I have a special guest with me, Tabitha Kusera. She is an elite, fear-free, and low-stress handling certified RVT, CCBC, and KPA CTP. She loves her alphabet as much as I do. <laughs> um, she is the owner of Tourists and Chatter Cat and Dog Behavior Consulting and Training in Cleveland, Ohio. She loves educating others through writing, behavior consulting, and lecturing on all things dogs and cats, including enrichment, socialization, fear-free handling, and more. She enjoys the opportunity to help people better understand and relate to pets. So I actually know Tabitha um, through a couple of different venues. Um, We're both members of the Pet Professional Guild Cat Committee. And then we are also both trainer mentors for the Cat Positive program through the Jackson Galaxy Project and greatergood.org. So I adore Tabitha, and I'm so excited that you decided to come on and talk with my people about how to help our cats at the vet and how that can start at home. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this topic, as you know. So I am down. Let's get going. Yeah, you you are definitely one of my favorite people to talk about this topic with because you're so passionate and you're right there in it. You're in a clinic, you're a you know registered vet tech, and you've seen it all from both the side of the technician as well as the owner. Um, so it's it's nice to have that perspective of all sides. <laughs> no, for sure. I get very stressed with my animals at the vet, uh, as a vet tech and a behavior consultant. I know how it is to be worried about your cat and we all want the least stress for our cats, whether we're in a shelter setting, a veterinarian setting, or if you're a cat mom or dad. So their cool thing is we now know there's lots of things to reduce stress at the vet and even make the vet a happy place for your cat. Yeah. One thing I hear a lot from people is that they just don't take their cat to the vet because it's stressful and they only take them during emergencies, which is super cringeworthy to me because I'm like, oh, then that's like the worst time, you know, you want, you'd want to take them when they're not sick and not painful and not hurting. And (laughs) Right. It's so, it's so important. Cats are the most popular vet or vet, ha, cats are the most (laughs) popular pet. Yet every year in the veterinarian world, we see them less and less, which is super, I like your word, uh, cringeworthy um, (laughs) and concerning because in most cases, by the time, because cats are prey and predator animals, and although I don't feel their pain is very subtle because I understand their pain, I think it screams out at us once you start to see it, but cats are a little more subtle with hiding their pain and medical issues. So usually by the time the client notices lethargy or anorexia or the cat's not eating as well, the cat's been sick for quite a long time. And preventative care is so important, not only for us as humans, of course, right. but also for our cats because most of, most of the clients I work with or if I'm working in a hospital, we don't have baselines. So if your vet doesn't know what 
normal is, like what your cat's normal is, it's really hard for them to accurately treat and prevent issues in the future. Like for example, my cat Cupcake, she has a, a lower white blood cell count and it's normal for her. Right. But we know that. So we could base off what baseline looks like. Hey, this is your normal. Oh, you're really sick. That's what this means. And of course, getting your cat into the vet annually, once a year at least, ideally twice a year if you have a senior cat, we can help find things sooner and help you and your cat live together happier longer, which we all want. Absolutely. I'm the crazy cat mom that likes to take my cats in twice a year. Yay! Um, even though there's like nothing, especially my Cornish Rex, like there's nothing ever wrong with her because she's five <laughs> and she's healthy and she's good. Um, but it is important to get those baselines. Like my, um, my long hair calico, she's had a heart murmur for the last eight years that I've owned her and before that. And if I didn't know that, and then all of a sudden one day I took her in and then she had a heart murmur, you know, how scary would that be? But now we know what it is and we monitor it so that we see if there's any changes or if it just stays the same. For sure. And that's like a big thing with pain as a behavior consultant and technician. I see quite a lot of undiagnosed um, and treated pain in cats for lots of reasons. Um, but a big reason is because cats aren't going to the vet regularly or people have trouble medicating their cats, which mm -hmm. we could definitely help with that. Both me and Carrie can help you um, with that because cats can love their meds too. But <laughs> just because there's cats can be a little more di difficult to medicate or there is a little less options as far as pain medications for cats, that, that definitely does not justify not providing them with pain management. And I always tell my clients, now that we see your cat's pain, the great news is we can help your cat be more comfortable. Right. So it's, there's a lot we can do as far as, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's normal that my cat doesn't play as much or my cat, vomits, right. that's normal. None of that's normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird, guys. It's okay that it's weird. If I was vomiting and stopped playing, I would go to the doctor. Right. It's the same thing with our kitties, for sure. <laughs> I know it is. It is always funny to hear what people think is normal for cats. And then you're like, whoa, no, no, no. <laughs> Vomiting is super not normal. And there's a lot of, and for like medical issues, just like behavior, they're complex. And you can't just say my cat's vomiting and he's five. I need to do a diagnostic workup to figure right. out exactly what's going on with your kitty. And it may be a mild thing or it may be a more intense thing. And you actually save money by going to the vet annually, because then instead of dealing with your cat dealing with DKA, which is like a diabetic crisis, which mm -hmm. is hospitalization, a lot of stuff, a lot of pain for your cat and discomfort. We've, we've diagnosed and found that diabetes way ahead of time and worked on weight loss and diet. And it really does. I mean, obviously it's the best for our kitties, but it also saves us a lot of money and time too. Definitely. And, you know, I think as people are starting to understand human health a little bit more, they're starting to care more about animal health and the fact that preventative care is the best type of care that you can, you know, don't, don't have it be an afterthought. No, for sure. And I think so many people, especially with cats, unfortunately, I think so many people consider, like, I hear things like my cat's an indoor cat. He doesn't need to go to the vet. He's fine. And that's mm -hmm. really concerning because, you know, 
I don't travel all over the place, but I should still be going to the, right. I don't put myself, especially right now, uh, I don't put myself around sick people on purpose, um, but I still should have my annual healthcare checks to, right. because again, your cat may be obese, which is a very common thing I see in consults. Especially and, in indoor only cats that aren't right. doing a lot with people <laughs> and eating only dry food. And, and obesity <laughs> at, you know, it may be, seem like a simple thing, but obesity adds to health issues in cats mm-hmm. just like with, with humans. And for example, if we find out that your cat has some weight problems, that's an easy, I can create a weight loss plan. Your veterinarian right. can work with you. Like that's an easy fix. And then we prevented diabetes or more arthritis for your cat. I mean, there's really some easy things to do as far as once we can notice it. It's just often, like you said, the cat's not moving or it's pretty severe cases where we're finally seeing the cat. And that's, that's hard. We would love to see them before that. Right. So what can people do to make vet visits better for their cats? Is that something that's just at the vet office? Like, do they need to find a new vet that's only cats or do, can they start things at home? What are your kind of just general thoughts and recommendations so for cat owners, I always say it starts at home um, with carriers and travel. Because let's say your cat hates the scary carrier and hates travel. Um, even if your vet is doing fear-free and low-stress handling, which we'll talk about, your cat may be over threshold or so stressed out by the time they get to the vet, everything else is just going to be so hard for them. So it's really mm-hmm. important for us to help teach our cats to love the carrier and to enjoy travel as well as seek out fear-free, feline-friendly veterinarians and veterinary professionals because they tend to be a little more familiar with how to handle your cat if they're fearful because holding and handling fearful animals is a skill. And that's something that I'm very good at. I work with fearful animals a lot, but it's a skill. And fear-free and low-stress handling veterinary professionals just tend to be a little more aware and they set up the environment to be less stressful. So for example, if you were going to a doctor as a human and they were playing calming music and had cupcakes and lavender (laughs) and your favorite coffee and you were getting a foot massage during your exam, you are going to go back there. Right. Um, And there's a lot of things that we do as fear-free or or in low-stress handling, freelance-friendly veterinary professionals. Like for example, um, you will call if your cat's really fearful. I'll have you call when you get to the parking lot, and we'll get your cat right into a room. We're just going to prevent your cat from being in a lobby where it's dogs and other people running and all the craziness right. in the lobby. Phones ringing and exactly that's all some that. scary stuff. So your your mm-hmm. cat's going to just go right into the exam room. We're going to have classical music playing or a purr app, some calming sound for your cat. Your cat's going to be elevated onto uh, the cat exam table and be covered with a feel-away towel, which feel-away is just a pheromone that comes in a spray form and other forms as well, and it can cause a decrease in stress. So we're going to cover your cat's carrier up to limit visual stimuli, and then again, we're going to take that carrier apart instead of no pulling kitties out of carriers, not only... That's not super fun for the cat. The cat's terrified and just sees this hand coming at them. But also, it's really unsafe for the veterinary professional. Sticking Uh, your hand in a black hole, basically. Yeah. (laughs) It's 
it's crazy that that's what I was taught to do as a vet tech because um, it's super not safe for us. So instead, I'm going to take the carrier apart and examine the cat in their carrier or take their, them out of the carrier with a towel allowing them to hide. So like those are just a few of the things that at a fear-free or low-stress handling vet, you'll see those kinds of things. And since we're setting your cat up for success and controlling what we can, we tend to see an overall decrease in stress. Right. So what is fear-free? Somebody that's never heard that term before, what's kind of like the general definition of of what that is and how can you find professionals that are fear-free certified like ourselves? That is a wonderful question. So (laughs) fear-free is a certification that is available for veterinary and and shelter professionals as well as groomers and um, training professionals as well. But the veterinarian one um, goes over how to read feline body language, how to do feline-friendly handling. So versus, for example, instead of like pulling a cat out and scruffing them, we're going to assess the cat's body language and work with handling based on what the cat is telling us. And Fear Free is all about, we've been really great at understanding the physical well-being of animals. Like, you're sick. We need to make you feel better. We need Mm -hmm. to cut your nails. We need to do this. The part that we haven't been the greatest at, but we are getting better at, which is beautiful, is understanding the emotional well-being of animals. Unfortunately, we used to think things like, the cat's really stressed, we'll just get it done and they'll be okay. Now we know they won't be okay. They're actually going to have either short-term and or long-term effects psychologically um, and medically because behavior is medicine. Um, and if the cat is really stressed at the vet, we tend to see this fearful behavior, like they may lunge or bite. That's a scared cat. And if I right. if I understand that cat's emotionally well-being, help set them up for success, work with that cat, do all these things to decrease stress, we tend to see a lot less stressed cats. And we're better prepared, because I do deal with fearful cats, but I'm better prepared versus the one restraint I learned in tech school. Now... <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I only learned the one and it's pretty stressful for most cats. So now I have 30 or 40 different restraints for cats because we all know cats are individuals. So we all should know the fact that we were taught to hold them one way is kind of bizarro. Right. Um, So fear free is all about understanding the physical well-being of your animal, but also the emotional well-being and taking all that into account and doing everything we can to decrease the stress and fear that your pet may deal with. Yeah. And unfortunately cats can't go see a therapist like humans can, if they have a bad experience. (laughs) No, that's true. And that's why I always joke with my clients. I understand why cats hate the carrier. To be honest, I'm surprised that cats go into them after some of the things that they've been through in them. Um, Right. So most clients keep their carriers in their basement or in their garage, and then they pull them out and throw their cats in because of course they want their cats to go to the vet. They're worried they're coming from a good place, but the whole thing is horribly stressful. And then it's the only time they leave the house. And then the client's like, my cat's difficult for not going into the carrier. Your cat's a genius. That was terrifying experience. Right. (laughs) Picked me up out of a comfortable place and threw me in a car with me struggling and showing signs of fear and stress. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you just one time. I'm not going back in that car. Right. Why would you? Yeah. And I may even associate the stress of that car ride with the person that threw me in there. Yeah. Um, so that's why with, with the things owners can do at home is 
if your cat already has fear of their carrier, because by the time me and Carrie get involved, in many cases, they already have some negative associations with that carrier. I recommend starting with the new one, buying a carrier that's appropriately sized for your cat that has an entrance and an exit. So ideally an entrance on the top and an entrance on through the door. So, and that can be taken apart. This could be a plastic carrier with the screws. It takes 30 seconds to take apart and limits the time of the overall exam because when you have a less stressed kitty, everything is easier. Or you could do one of the mesh ones as well. Um, and what you should do is start with maybe, like if your cat has a fear of the carrier, start with maybe just the bottom of that plastic carrier or the mesh carrier, but opened up in an area mm -hmm. you tend to be. So not in your basement, not in your <laughs> bathroom. Our cats wanna be with us and this is important for all of their resources. So people with your cat rooms, I love your cat rooms, but you better have resources in the areas you hang out in. <laughs> um, so for example, like I have a cat carrier in my living room. I, I have five cats. So I have three cat carriers throughout my house and my cats are all trained to go into a carrier. But an easy way to help your cat create positive associations with that carrier is leave it opened and put good stuff in it. Catnip, silver vine, treats, food, play with them around the carrier. Don't pick them up and force them. Think about it like a cat if you, or like a human, if you bought a new couch <laughs> and someone physically picked you up and put you on it, you don't like that couch now. Right. You're going to struggle to get away from that yeah. couch. <laughs> so choices are important. So by providing your cat, oh, cool. This thing doesn't just come out when terrifying things happen. I'm going to start with just the bottom. Then you can maybe like three days in, you could be like, oh, my cat's eating and hanging out. We're playing near it. Put the top on. And then you can... Maybe put some treats in, close the door for two seconds, open the door up. Like just, for example, you know, play around with where your cat's comfortable. Close the door for a minute with your cat eating treats, open it up before your cat shows signs of stress. So that's a really easy way to help your cat positively be associated with the carrier and enjoy it and go on there in there on their own. So if you do have to get them into the vet, you can always lure them in with treats or a toy instead of putting them, and you take the carrier apart when you put the cat in the carrier. There's a reason why all four of your cat's paws come out, uh, like a cartoon <laughs> cat, when you're trying to put them through that door. That's, that's not ideal. So if you do have to put your cat in the carrier, lure them instead using a toy or a treat, or take the carrier apart and gently place them in there. So again, there's not all this force and cat parents don't end up being scratched. And then right. also for low stress, car travel ideally you should have your car if you're in Arizona like Carrie uh, <laughs> you should have your car cooled down or if you're in Ohio even in April like me um, it's cold so I'm gonna warm the car up you're gonna make the car a comfortable temperature prior to the cat getting in I have my per app playing during travel or you can use classical music it's not as simple as just any music um, there's actually science cats like, um, cause when it comes to the radio, we can't control what's coming out of it versus classical music through right. cat's ear purring. Those are things that are really calming for kitties. And the radio is sometimes unpredictable with volume or is some emergency thing going to come on or no, for know, sure. Like random, super sound random sounds. Happen. And we want to control what we can control. So Setting that up, um, 
putting your carrier in a comfortable place. So this, my favorite place is behind the passenger seat on the ground because it's steady, it's stable, it's not shaking all over the place, and it prevents my clients from poking their fingers in and talking to their cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't put your cat's <laughs> carrier in your SUV trunk where it's going to slide around. And <laughs> stable, and it's just like that. Stable oh is important. Um, or you could put it behind, right. like on your in your back seat, seat belted in. And then I always recommend covering up the carrier with a feel away infused towel. So that way you could cover it up three ways or all the way, because that way your cat can have a choice if they want to peek out. Or in most cases, they can just hide and less stimuli when you're fearful is better. So there's right. a lot of things that we could do as far as decreasing stress right away, like helping help help trying to help our cat love the carrier with some of the thing, things I talked about. Low stress travel, of course, not taking super quick turns and things like that. Um, and also, I don't know why carriers have handles on them. I wish they, I wish they <laughs> didn't. Cats. I can't even tell you how many carriers I have seen or heard of breaking because people just pick it up. By and I handle. understand why people do that, <laughs> but I always say cats don't like roller coaster rides, and we've all right. been that. Whether you're in a shelter or a vet clinic or you're a cat mom. We've seen that person with their cat who's overweight, which is a whole nother thing. And they're just lugging it and it's just hitting <laughs> their, their everything. Everything. And, like, this poor, and this poor cat, like that's just, we set that cat up for failure. Um, so the way we carry right. a carrier is from the bottom. So it's stable. It's sturdy. Like Carrie said, it prevents horrible accidents because things do come apart. And yeah. if we could, if I could just prevent one cat from getting loose in a parking lot, heck yes, I'm gonna. Um, right. And it's such a simple thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the biggest thing with all of these tips that you're suggesting. Like, it's not going to break the bank. It's not going to take a lot of time away from anybody's lives. Like, these are very, very simple things that don't take any extra to no for sure i mean i'm all about because you can also clicker train your cat to go into the carrier and clicker train your cat to happily accept the car rides and there's a lot more in-depth stuff that we can do which i'm a huge fan of as well but if i could just get people to do some of these simple things like you mentioned quickly that most of us can do most of us have access to right away i'm going to notice a decrease in stress like I work with a lot of cats right. who haven't been to the vet in quite a long time for a variety of reasons or really, really fearful cats. And I've talked to the clients about low stress travel tips, getting them used to the carrier, basically these tips that I'm talking about. And these cats not only get to their vet visit, but they're the least stressed they've ever been. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing what little effort we can do to change such a big thing you know like one of one of my cats Aww. my Cornish Rex literally whenever I bring out a carrier like when I have fosters or I had a little Pomeranian that I was doing a board and train that had a little carrier bag and I put the carrier bag on the floor and she just crawled in it and just fell asleep and I was like oh, not yours uh, <laughs> but she loves it you know and so for me I always think like in emergency situations too, like what would happen if 
you had, I don't know, like right. a house fire or something insane and you needed to get your animals out quickly. You know, you don't want to be crawling under the bed to try to pull them out, to throw them in the carrier that they're fighting. And it would make life a lot easier if, hey, here's the carrier. Go in. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a life skill, man. I, it's, it's so it important. And like you said, we see our clients and some of these easy things. And if you have a kitten or if you're fostering kittens, these are things that you should be doing to set the cat up for success. Because again, medically prevention is good too, but so behavior is as well. Um, and if we can. Yes. Yeah. My kittens, I have, um, they have their own rooms because I keep them separate from my resident yes. cats. Um, and I put a carrier in their rooms just so they can just have it. It's just a piece it's of an furniture. Extra hiding space, which to be honest, guys, every cat needs yep. more of those anyways. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's awesome. Definitely. But that's, you know, that's an easy thing that, um, I'm going to be doing a, a, uh, what are you She's called? Got Podcast. It. <laughs> Um, with another, yeah, with another one of our friends, Samantha, about fostering um, next week. Um, so that's a simple thing that fosters can implement: is, hey, you can help this cat be more successful and happy at the vet. For the that's rest like of a his big life. deal. And cats who like carriers are more inclined. I mean, again, you're setting them up for success because they're less stressed out, they're happier. So. Right the client's going to be like, oh, this kitten just went right into the carrier or the adopter. Yeah. This How is the cool. coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and cats can let like all, all of my cats love the carrier. Um, and again, you can take it to the next level and put it on cue and train it. But usually by just creating a positive association and allowing the cat to choose by luring them in there makes such a big difference. It's crazy. Definitely. So the client, has a happy cat in the carrier, a happy cat in the car, and then a happy cat as they're walking it into the vet clinic who they've called in advance to let them know, hey, Love I'm it. here with my cat. Do you have a room ready? I'm going to – they're going to walk them straight into the room. And then what happens? What are kind of some of the things that people should be looking for in those um, fear-free interactions with the vet, like holding them? And I know you talked to – there's – like 27 million ways to hold a cat. What are some of the kind of the, the red flags people should be looking out for as well as the green flag? I yeah. guess I'll call them. So <laughs> when it comes to any interaction with a cat, I'm always using considered approach because I think that's a big deal. Um, the way we first approach an animal is a big deal and these cats are already uncomfortable. So generally considered approach just consists of like if I was the technician coming in, I'm going to assess the cat's body language, not by staring and looming over the carrier. I'm going to look at a distance. If that cat is showing me some signs of fear or anxiety, I'm going to keep that cat covered up with a feel away towel or place one over the cat if they haven't had one already placed over. While I talk to the owner and get history, I'm not going to take the cat out to, to weigh him, put him back in and then take him out again. We're going to just do everything at the same time, um, and when I do approach him, like I mentioned, we're going to assess their body language. I'm going to use the side approach. I'm going to take the carrier out. And we have lots of yummy treats and good things. I always laugh because people always tell me cats don't eat. Hey, guys, they do, though. <laughs> um, but you have to offer a variety of things. So I have, like, a catty 
a little bathroom caddy with all my stuff, no matter, because I get to go to lots of clinics and shelters. And I have a variety of reinforcers or, or things that cats like. So like whipped cream, squeezed cheese, churro. Um, I have a lot of this really good stuff and I have a variety because Carrie likes different things than I do. And your cat may like different cat. things than this cat. And this, that even if we're doing all this low stress stuff, it's a weird place. So I need to have good stuff. I'm not coming out for a salad, but I might come out for a beer. <laughs> so we need to have beer and burritos. Those are my reinforcers. But we need to have <laughs> good we to need know to have those types of things. So for example, um, as I have the cat come out, I'm going to give the cat a toys and either give them some treats outside of their carrier, like a little trail, or I'll have a bird and some wand toys. I tend to play with a lot of kittens while I vaccinate them. So we do a lot of minimal restraint. So I'm not saying we don't restrain the cats, but a lot of, like, for example, what I learned as a technician was a lot of heavy handed, don't assess the cat, just scruff and stretch the cat out, which is kind of bizarro right. when you think about it. I'm not giving, basically we, we don't allow the cats a, a chance. Like if, I always equate me going up to a cat, scruffing it and putting it on its side and stretching it out to if you were getting blood drawn at the nurse and straps came up on the, on the arms, right. you would go from green to red immediately. So that's similar Absolutely. to what a scruff and stretch is. So instead, like I said, I'm going to approach that cat from the side. I may have a positive distractor. So I may have whipped cream in an ice cream cone, which by the way is adorable. <laughs> or I may spell the cat's name in cheese, squeeze cheese on the table so they could lick. And the, the veterinary technician. Who knew you were an artist, too? I only do names, Carrie. Don't get me all. I could do a cat face, maybe. A rainbow. Um, simple thing. But we basically provide them with food or, again, play, something they enjoy. And then the, the vet will use a side approach and considered approach also includes like starting. So if, for example, if your cat's coming in for a owie arm, like a front leg that hurts, we're going to look at that last. We're going to, we're going to look at the thing right. that really hurts last. And if your cat is showing severe signs of pain, we're going to get pain meds on board before we start to maneuver that leg. Um, so, yeah. Cause that's one thing too, you know, with cats, cause we've talked about, they are good at hiding things. If you really aren't super in tune with their body language and their signals, and you might think that the only place they're hurting is that leg. And so you want the vet to just get right in and work on that leg. But the vet really does need to do that full assessment to make sure everything else is right. Okay and so too. often it, the cat may be showing signs of pain based on what that client is perceiving on the right side, but it's due to a back injury on the left side. Um, so right. the other thing is we're always, oh, my lovely Alexa has decided to turn on. <laughs> we love this technology, you guys, but that was really creepy. Sorry about that, guys. Fun time. <laughs> it just started talking to me. Um, real, real life. life. You guys were real life. Um, but for example, like, I, I can't begin to express this enough, but a big part of fear-free and low stress is assessing body language and working with the cat in front of us. So for example, one of my cats, Jellybean, went to the vet recently and 
I know her normal. So her normal is a fear, anxiety, stress. We use stress scores. Um, we'll do her normal stress score is like a one, which is pr- pretty, is more of a green. Mm. Like I'm chilling. I might be a little yeah. weirded out by new stuff, uh, but I return to baseline quickly. And of course I did all the happy, positive stuff. My cat loves her carrier. When she went into the exam room, she chose to came out on her own. We were doing some targeting games while until the vet came in. And then when the vet did come in, the vet approached her from the side and basically they were just, I was asking her for a target behavior while she was getting examined. And my cat, who's normally a fear, anxiety, stress score of one, that vet touched her back super subtly for a second. And my cat went into fear, anxiety, stress score of four. So that's not what she was being seen for. I was concerned about underlying pain, but we were, this was a, a follow-up for respiratory issues that we've been dealing with, with my kitty. Okay. And right away, because my veterinarian's amazing and we worked together and we were addressing what my cat was showing, we stopped because an FAS of one going to four, that's like literally my cat. That's a jump. Yeah, she went from breathing normally, relaxed, focused, almond-shaped eyes, purring, relaxed, to hissing and growling, ears back, terrified, stiff. Um, So, and I know what... She was very uncomfortable. So at that point, we we stopped what we were doing and we're like, okay, we're going to sedate because, and we're going to get my cat some pain meds because that's that we were both like, this is not normal. But I know some people who would see that cat and be like, this cat's being difficult. Hold them down more, hold them down tighter. Right. Again, guys. Which can just increase the amount of pain that. Right. She actually ended up having, um, because I did x-rays and did all this other stuff. Um, she actually ended up having a bit of a slip disc in her back. Oh. Um, so. What were you doing, Jelly Beans? She's doing better. She, she's three legs. So <laughs> no. uh, my cat has an abnormal gait due to that. So we were doing pain management mm-hmm. proactively. Uh, but she most likely jumped, again, it probably happened within the last few days because I noticed super subtle signs of pain at home. And at the respiratory follow-up, I'm like, I know I might be paranoid because my vet is amazing and she's my friend. And I'm like, <laughs> but I think my cat's painful. And we weren't expecting that. But uh, sure yeah, enough, yeah. But a lot of people, like you said, they might just say this cat is fractious, which is a big word I don't like. Um, or this cat yes. being difficult. Or this cat is that other word that I really don't like people saying. Because um, my cat was, guys, slip this suck. That's like terrible, horrible pain. Um really painful. And now she's on um, different pain medications. We're still working with her respiratory stuff. And at her follow-up, she was a one again. So it's really important to, to basically work with the cat that's in front of you and not just kind of be trying to think of a word, but basically work with the cat in front of you and not resort to heavy restraint. Like if an animal is struggling that's not them saying, I'm difficult, I'm stubborn. That's them saying, I'm really uncomfortable and conflicted. And if you were really uncomfortable and straps just went on your arm chair that you were getting your blood drawn on, and then you started screaming, and then the, the nurse started holding you down, you would panic more. Right. So when you allow... Yeah, less, less yes, is more. Very much so. And in some sure. cases, like with, with Bean, a lot of, with a lot of my cats and a, a lot of the cats I work with, when you use considerate approach, set like for example, we have everything prior 
to the exam starting. So we have the stethoscope, the blood tubes, the lidocaine, everything prior. So we're not going in and out a billion times. Um, yeah, that's so we, smart. we have everything ready. We're do we're controlling the environment by playing the calming music. And when we do all of this stuff, as you could imagine, instead of the cat hissing and lunging, the cat still may have some fear and stress, but instead of a four or five, which is, is pretty, that's red, they're more of a one or two. And then I usually can just do very minimal restraint, like, hey, here, you're going to eat some churro off this licky mat. I'm going to have the vet approach you from the side and look at your face last because most cats don't like that. And I'm going to move the cat mm -hmm. instead of physically manipulating the cat. I'm going to move the cat with like a lure. Um, and they do a lot better. And it's a lot easier for us as vet techs too, because I'm not manhandling cats and getting scratched and stuff. Right. Because that hurts. That right. makes us sore, man. Yeah, that's, that's not a fun, you know, as a tech, it's, you feel, I feel like you feel good at the end of the day, knowing that like, hey, I didn't have to scruff anybody. I, you know, like it boosts your, I don't know what the word it, I'm it looking for is. It helps us compassion with um, I mean, I, I talk yes, about that all the time. You. Like yeah. our jobs are hard and I know because whether I'm working with a shelter or a vet clinic, a lot of people are like, well, this is stressful. I understand that. But the cool thing is, because we're positive people, there are so many things you can control. <laughs> and I've yes. noticed when I'm using considerate approach, when I'm assessing body language and working with the cat in front of me, when I have everything ready ahead of time, when I've trained them to go into the carrier, these cats are insanely less stressed and everything is, our exams are faster. Everything takes less time because everyone's like, this takes so much time. It's a skill. Right. Handling is a skill. And, and I'll be honest, I don't think as a profession, we take it very seriously. Um, I think we, like, I much rather have a skilled handler than a skilled phlebotomist any day. Because right. um, again, like, I'm not judging, but as a technician, guys, I was only taught to scruff and stretch, which is now we know actually causes a lot more stress for our cat. So I was set up for failure too, as a technician, um, instead of being like, oh, just assess the cat's body language, uh, work with what works with them, change up your handling based on how they're doing. And this could be like, if you have a really fearful cat, yeah, that's going to be a towel, but towel restraint is a skill too. It's not just throwing a towel over a cat. There's a lot of right. skill that goes into it. So when I hear someone say towels don't work, it's the same thing when I hear clickers don't work. If you just click a clicker, like a remote control in front of a cat's face, yeah, it's, not gonna do not used, it's yeah. a tool. Towels are a tool. And if you don't know the, the handling techniques to learn, you know, to use those tools, things just don't work out. So it takes practice, but it, right. It's like a human saying like a manual car doesn't right? work. That's, oh my God. I'm using well, that I one. mean, it won't, it won't work for me because I've never learned how to drive one, but <laughs> it'll work for somebody that's skilled. In right. It. And the more, again, the, the more you get used to this stuff, the better you get, because it's not something that, because right. I teach fear-free and low-stress handling workshops. But I started, literally, I saw Sophia Yin speak, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to, there's other ways to hold animals. This is so cool. And I started practicing myself a long time ago with stuffed animals. And now, now years later, I'm, I'm very good at it. You're yeah. a pro. Um, so everything yeah. takes time. And generally, we just try to avoid restraining or interacting in a way that would cause fear or panic, which scruffing a cat does, does tend to cause fear and panic. 
Um, yeah. And we were. And I think it's definitely important to note, like, you know, I don't think as behavior professionals or veterinary professionals, we don't expect everybody to be perfect at these things right now. But the more you know, the better you can do. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like encouraging people to take that initiative to, if you're a technician, learn low stress handling, um, become fear free certified. If you're a pet parent, look into training, learn different things as opposed to just doing what hasn't been working. right. That's such a good point. Cause I always say, I love veterinary medicine because it's called practicing medicine because we're always improving and getting better. You guys wouldn't go to a brain surgeon that hasn't done continuing education for 10 years. I hope not. Um, <laughs> and in the world of feline medicine and behavior, I do hundreds of hours of CE a year because I miss things and we need to stay up to date. And I've loved how the shelter and veterinary professional world has grown and gotten better because we understand cats more and we're doing the best we can with what we can do. But we need to always, like Carrie said, we need to always be learning. So if this is something your veterinary clinic may not be doing, it's not like we shouldn't be like, stop it, you should do this because that's never appropriate either. Um, We should just be like, hey, have you heard of Fear Free? And there's a lot of things, even if your vet doesn't do, you can bring your cat's favorite treats. You can bring your cat's favorite heating bed. Like with Bean, her her favorite bed is a heated cat bed. So that comes to her mm-hmm. exam. Um, yeah. And you can even bring a simple thing. Like, you know, I know one of the most simple things in Fear Free is not having them on that shiny, slippery exam table that they can't get any grip on and it's cold and uncomfortable so you could bring a towel or a yoga mat or you know little again little tiny things can help to improve for sure and that's and then your vet will see those things and then the great thing is we're all helping each other and they'll be like oh your cat did really great with this because no one likes a a cold metal table so we usually have yoga mats and feel away towels. I even have a towel warmer for the places I work at. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Towel warmers are pretty affordable on Amazon. Um, and as you guys know, cats like to run warm. So a, to- a warm towel is can severely decrease fear and stress for a kitty cat. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of things that we can control. Um, and even if you're a vet or shelter are doing some of these things right now, you can start slowly implementing them because even positive changes take time. So you could be like, okay, I'm going to start using feel away, um, taking care instead of taking cats out from pulling them out or shaking them out. That's a big no, no too. Um, we're going to take the carrier apart and we're going to do a webinar on body language. Like that's a great place to start. Right. So what are some of your favorite resources that I can share with people on how, where can they learn about these different things? Obviously from you, I know you have some webinars and things like that, that you're constantly doing. Um, I also have some, but what are some of your other favorite places that people can learn? Some of my favorite resources are, so Fear Free Happy Homes is a wonderful resource for if you're a shelter or veterinary professional and also for just the general public, because it has a lot of great handouts and free resources um, for you to learn more about not just low stress vet visits, but behavior and how to make your cat's life better overall. Also, 
fearfreepets and fearfreeshelters.com. Fearfree certification is free for shelter professionals, which is amazing. Um, so this is yeah, that something is that awesome. you can do. Some of us have some extra free time right now. Um, <laughs> and you can start working towards your fear-free certification if you're a shelter professional for free. And then the last one would probably be iCatCare.org. So iCatCare.org, International Cat Care, has a lot of wonderful resources regarding all things, but also feline-friendly handling about what it looks like, how we could do it, as well as American Association of Feline Practitioners or CatVets.com. They have a lot of great resources too, and that's where you can find feline-friendly vets, which again, those are just vets who, who tend to have a little bit better understanding of feline body language. And since we understand the cats more, we can set things up for them to be more comfortable based on what most cats prefer. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tabitha, for uh, spending some time and talking about how people can help their cats have better experiences at the vet. Um, I know, I hope that everybody that's listening will start to do something, even if it's just taking the carrier out of the garage. Huge step <laughs> and cleaning it. Yes. Yeah. We've yes, all seen, clean we've it, all please. seen, like guys, I, I love you guys, but I've seen carriers with spider webs and cats in them. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, gross. And one cat per carrier. <laughs> gross, That's gross. another thing. Yes. Um, let's not stop. Yes. Even for kittens that weigh like four pounds, let's give them their own spaces because it's hard to be confined into a place. I love my brother, but if we're in my living room and he sits right next to me, I'm like, dude, why? Go over there. Right. <laughs> there's there's nothing yeah, for so everybody. One carrier per cat. That's a good rule. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Tabitha. I appreciate it. And thank you everybody for 